Hi, this is Eric. This is Mike. This is Dan. This is Mark. This is Jason. This is Shannon. And I'm Sean. We're the guys from Gamers Table. Visit our website, gamerstable.com. And you're listening to the Carpe GM Gamecast. Pop quiz. Who was two thumbs and shed the blood of 4,000 Saxon men? This guy. Welcome to the Carpe GM Gamecast. Now with a delicious liquid center. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a delicious liquid center. Yeah. It just gets cheesier by the week. That's not cheesy. The, that's uh, liquid. Is, that a, is, it a, is that a cream filling or yeah. more of a custard? Or yeah. no, it's like Gushers. Yeah. yeah. It's that stuff. Yeah, but no, it's Gushers, like Gushers, dude. Yeah, it's like that. Dude, I'm Dan. <laughs> Gushers are so sticky, man. I, I'm Steve. <laughs> no one else is sticky. I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm I'm Tyler. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> nougat. I'm Mac. I'm Sticky Brian, and you're Nougat Mac. <laughs> sticky Brian, it was him again. <laughs> sticky Brian and Nougat Mac stuck again. Mackenzie. Mackenzie stuck again. Nougat rice. <laughs> oh. Who are you? Oh, you're He's Dan. You already candy. said you were Dan. Yeah, I already said I'm Dan. All right. So uh, let's, let's start off like we normally do with some announcements. What? Yeah. All right. So everyone has got back with me uh, with about their prizes, except for uh, Batla. Uh, we've got a $10. <laughs> it's because he doesn't exist. You can summon him. <laughs> There's other means of contact, <laughs> contacting Lovecraftian demons. Well, we need to get to, we need to, get to under the arch. Yeah. So we can hand deliver it to Do him. Do we ever get the topic for the episode? Uh, no, not yet. Um, okay. Not as of recording this podcast. But I have talked to uh, Wolfish Hunger, and, and we're working on it. Also, Wookie Daddy finally got back with me today, actually, before we got here. Oh, yeah? I don't know what he's, what game it is. We'll announce that on the next show, what he what he chose. But um, finally got back with me. <laughs> okay. uh, but we're holding on for Batla. That's the only prize we have left. So as of um, this recording of this podcast, once it drops, if you have not received your prize, make sure to contact me. I found... Uh, Another great prize we can give away for oh, our next yeah, contest. Oh yeah, this is very good. Sure, what do you got? I uh, back in like oh, like oh five, before uh, like you know the smartphone craze really start, like blew right. up. I uh, uh, Nokia came out with a phone called the N Gauge. <laughs> it was like the, the first like proprietary gaming <laughs> platform phone, and I got one, and I found it, <laughs> and I I want to give. Send somebody my Steve's engage. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah let's engage. Engage. Dude, engage. We can all sign it. G- give us one. Steve. We can all sign it. Engage. There we go. There you go. <laughs> Assi- our, our worthless signatures. We will, we, will, we will all sign it. We'll use one of those sparkle pens. Yeah. Why not just the first person that wants it? First email you get. That's the that's the the contest. Like, it's, it's still got like 150 minutes on it. <laughs> I wonder if you could like. They just like you have games on it. Like there's like a game in it. They're those little s. They were basically those little SD cards, yeah, yeah. like sixteen. Well, weren't they the little? I thought that one ran off the little discs, the the, the mini discs. No, there's that's PSP. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. which is not a phone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. We tried. 
update. This just in. This just in from my email box. Wookie Daddy has chosen. Oh, I thought somebody wanted the engage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. This is live, wow. everyone. Uh, he's chosen the Star Wars Edge of the Empire beginners oh. game from Fantasy Flight Games. Bam! <laughs> we got it covered. Yeah. Good Do you want to send him my copy of it? <laughs> no, we'll get him a new one. Uh, gr- good choice. And uh, he says that F-F-G. I have a couple of boys that are about to get ready into the hobby, I hope. But what else would their Wookiee Daddy get them to start playing? Wow. There so you that's go. that's amazing. Very, that's very what punny. That's for uh, baby Wookiees. So he is a Wookiee who is a daddy. Wookiee Daddy. Yeah, he's a Wookiee okay. Daddy. <laughs> oh, wait. He actually has kids? Is that what you're Baby Wookiees. Wooklets. I kind of thought he was like, I thought he, I thought he was like a pimp Something from Cash. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, there's some racism Wooklings. in there. Yeah, come on now. But no, really, like Wookiee Day sounds like a pimp name. Wookiee, yeah. Wookiee, 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 Ewok, Ewok. All right. So, um, very good. There we go. Batlow, we're waiting on you. Come on, Batlow. Fickle podcast uh, listeners, the old ones. (laughs) (laughs) Also, man, let's not forget about Steve's engage. Let's not enrage them, though. Let's engage them. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so um, also with the, um, the podcast outreach thing, I actually received an email from Dan at Fear the Boot. Uh, So he's thrown his hat in the ring to support that was fantastic he gave us a nice uh, five-star rating on on uh, itunes and um i'm not going to read the whole email but uh he says ah. that he he appreciates where we're going with this with the supporting of other podcasts and being cordial and whatnot because when uh fear the boot was one of the first gaming podcasts out there if not the first i'm not sure but they've been around for a long time and he said it started out friends and neighbors but uh got a little biting in the last few years or so so uh, he's happy to see that uh, that's that's being changed, and we're we collective podcasts are pulling it around and, and getting back to the cordial center that where it was before. You folks at home might not know this, but a lot of biters in the gaming industry. Yeah. You got through that of, whole thing without us interrupting you once. I, I, they will never. Know, I, I, I had several, just cut you out. <laughs> Fear. <that>. Wow. <laughs> what a. D- also, we got an email from uh, Jib at Happy Jacks. Uh, he's one of the hosts there, and. Um, we're not doing our game store episode yet, but Jib actually has some time-sensitive stuff in here, so I'm going to go ahead and read his. He's got, uh, in response to Shannon, I can't really attest to the availability of gaming stores in the Bay Area, but I can provide a couple of resources that might be of use. Uh, President's Day weekend. It's a little short notice, but I was just listening to this today. There is a gaming convention in the Bay Area called Dundracon. I've only briefly looked over their site for reasons that will become apparent in a moment, but I know they have... A fair bit of gaming going on. Also on President's Day weekend in Los Angeles, there's Orcon, which is run by Strategicon. I'll put links to all this in the show notes, obviously. On the on this particular weekend, there will be a lot of RPGs run, including quite a few by hosts and listeners from the Happy Jacks podcast, as well as games by a host of other quality GMs. Strategicon runs three events a year, President's Day weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and Labor Day weekend, and all have lots of great gaming. Also, I invite anyone to drop by the Happy Jacks forums at happyjacks.proboards.com to join in the discussion there. One of our forums is for gamers to find other games wherever they might be located. I know we have listeners in the Bay Area, and as I'm sure that, and I'm sure that if there are stores there, they will know where to find them. Cheers and keep up the great show, Jib. P.S. Because there must be a P.S. It's rule. Drink beer before you go under the arch. I was born in St. Louis, and I've never walked under the arch either. It makes the transition to hell less painful. <laughs> so thank you, Jib. 
Uh, PPS go blues. That's what <laughs> yeah, you, it's yeah. right there. Oh, wait, is yeah. It is. It is PPS go blues. It's let's go blues. Yeah. Hey, he's been out of the area for a while. <laughs> he needs to come back. <laughs> no, you don't want to come back no, here. He's, he's he lives in California. <laughs> Are you a dummy? Also, about our game store uh, episode, I've talked to Drew. He's game. Whenever we can get him in here, I'm not sure when we're going to do it, but um, if the listeners would like to participate, they can send us an email about what their perfect game store would be. So make sure you send um, any any of your thoughts on game stores to dan at carpegm.net so we can toss them around the table with a live in the field game store manager. Dude, so he's going to be in here with all of us? Yeah. I think this room's max capacity is like four, <laughs> and there's like five of us. That leaves. Have you never at least had a couple weeks? There's, there's there's room with Steve on the bed. Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> had another, Have you never had to fit something really big into something small? Anyway, <laughs> rub dub dub. Six dudes in the room. Let's go. <laughs> so specifically with regard to uh, Jib's comment there uh, about going to conventions, I definitely agree that if you don't know a local gaming store, a lot of them do show up and have you know a, a booth, a booth. Of some sort. Yeah, especially with the more local oriented you know conventions and take cards like. Try out more than one place, you know, get 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 business cards, get flyers and, and, and drive around a little. And even if you already are the sort of person who already has a local gaming store, specifically with regard to tournaments and stuff like that, if you're in any sort of organized play, you should go around to more than one place. Some of them might have slightly better opportunities and uh be being more open about where you go to game in that nature keeps things competitive and keeps people uh you know, sometimes you'll hear about the local gaming store that's running really bad magic tournaments and stuff, and they're just really taking advantage of people. And, like, if you're not willing to go to another store, they're never going to change that behavior. Right. In addition to that, you get around, you get a more diverse play group, and it starts building uh, 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 gaming in a region rather than just in your uh, your area there. Right. Uh, sound advice. Just a couple more quick things for the listeners. First off, number one, I apologize for the delay on the last episode. Uh, our audio was crap. I've had to rebuild it. and Mostly just the parts where Dan was talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, had some stuff going on in my personal life, and they got in the way. And, and uh, so hopefully we'll be this will be the last of the hiccups from, left over from the holiday season, and we'll be able to start the new year in February and uh, get back on track. Uh, also, the, the music that you hear in our breaks, those are um, indie bands that we'd like to support by getting their music out there. If you guys happen to have anybody you'd like to suggest, shoot me an email. I'll check them out, and we'll see. Maybe we can use them, and I'll contact the bands, and maybe we can use them as uh, break music. Um, lastly, if you'd like to help out Carpe GM, keep us coming back. Um, not that we're not going to if you don't, but it would definitely help with the overhead costs and equipment and whatnot. You can uh, drop a little spare change in our tip jar, and also get the word out. You can go to RPGpodcast.com and recommend our episodes. Anybody got anything else? Any other announcements? All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to what's on our horizon. All right, Steve, what do you got? Uh, just this past week, I received a package from a cool company called uh, Inkwell Ideas. They uh, are a company like a they self-publish stuff for any kind of tabletop 
RP system. So say some of the, for example, some so of the we're stuff talking that like non-system specific. Yeah, they're uh, like third party all the way. Okay. Some of the stuff they have, for example, is like you can uh, buy like software from them. It's like a map and dungeon generators. Okay. Just like uh, your normal Just utilities, like utilities stuff like that. Um, yeah. They have uh, some other stuff that's like a little bit more like specific for s- certain games. So but. what'd you get from them? What I received from them is their a set of their Dungeon Morph dice, which is a set of five large six-sided dice. These dice look like they're about one-inch yeah. cubes. They're provocative. Each, I bet I could still swallow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the? What? I probably could, like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Did it have a not safe for children tag? Because if not, we can give them to Seabass and see if we can make some no, money. No, it, it was actually kind of cool how I how I received the package. It was like this nondescript, <laughs> just like manila folder with a handwritten address on it and stuff. Wow. And the only thing that was in it, there wasn't an invoice or anything. It was just this cool little like cotton. Canvas, maybe? Yeah, like you can bet, dice pouch. You can bet that package was vetted. Yeah. Dice pouch with like their stamp on each side. One has the Dungeon Morph and one has Inkwells. It's a cool little bag. It's actually kind of cool looking. But anyway... These dice, each one has it's their six, their d sixes, six sided dice. Each one has a different section, section like floor layout section of a map, dungeon, uh, whatever. But it's all pretty much the same theme. There's different sets of these dice, and each one has a different theme. I got like the intermediate one. It's all like it's still like ninety degree angles and complex man made stru- style structures. There's another one that's all like it looks kind of like maybe a, a temple map or yeah. something like that. There, there's another set Labyrinth. that's that's like all rigid or jagged so like uh, caves, cave and like you know weird angles and stuff like that. But anyway, rigid. What, what they want you to do with these dice is, and I've done something kind of different with them, but I, I'll tell you first that. There's five of these dice. You pick them up, roll them, put them all together. No matter which faces you roll, they all always will fit together in some way. So you can pick up a handful of these dice, roll them, and put them together however you want. You can roll them all as many times as you want to even it out because it's five dice. So if you want to make like a three by three, whatever, two by three, you can roll them more times. But put them together and you've basically just rolled a dungeon with right. dice right there. You can map it out if you want, or you can just take them to the table and roll them right in front of the the uh, players. They're kind of small to look at, though, from yeah, like across a, the table. It's a little tough if you're not right on top of them. But so here's the thing. Here's what I've done. I've taken graph paper and cut out a twenty by twenty square, so a hundred feet. Right. In game, I mean, they're five foot squares for each face of each one of the dice. So I'm not done yet, but when I'm done, I'm going to put them so on. So you're going to have a deck corresponding yeah. to the faces of your dice. I'm going to put them on like cardstock and they're already on graph paper. So I'm going to have like a mobile dungeon that I could randomly generate on the fly, just like ready to go. And there's so many, I mean, I haven't done the math to like determine how many different vari- variations you can get with five, six sided dice, but I'm going to have, uh, yeah. Ma- um, dr- drawing out each face of each die on graph paper, so I'm going to have them ready to go. So even Maybe. like just because they're kind of hard to see, like th- just even if I decide to take them to the table and be like, "Guys, need a dungeon." Boom, roll it. I can still take those cards that I have mapped out and show just lay them down and just make the map right there. Right. Or so even if I want to pre-generate the map before we start, like when I'm doing in the planning stages of my campaign. Right. 
I'll just take note of which ones because I'm numbering each one of them. Because, and the reason I did this is because one, they're kind of hard to see. I don't want to like make people lean over the table and stuff as much because the th- the campaign I have planned out with these is You're I'm going to have the players story elements. To I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to make it linear and have, have the players when they exit one of the faces of the die, I'm going to roll it right there. And I've randomly, I've set up a thing where I ran, I, there's a die roll to randomly determine, first of all, the, face of the map that they get right and which side connects up with the current side that they're actually in at the moment and also i've made a list i can make it bigger but i've made a character uh, ch- percentile chance characteristic for each room upon entering i've okay. made corresponding encounters of monsters that reflect that characteristic if the room gets one and i've also made generic monsters for rooms that don't have a characteristic or just like whatever I want to use them for. So for example is, okay, let's say they're in, they're in one section of the dungeon. They're in one face of one of the dies. Right. Okay. You want to leave. You've done whatever you want to do. You want to leave. Go out one of these doors here on the die. I'll grab another one of the dungeon morph dice, roll it. So it's, that's all already randomly determined by the die. Right. I'll randomly determine which face joins up with the exit they just took. Right. Then, then, how do you randomly determine which other dice you you roll? I'll just like close my eyes and grab it. That's the uh, easiest one. I, I, <laughs> or I could I could grab a D four or use a D three, break down a D six, depending on like how many are left. Unless you want to just keep on tossing them into like a hat or the bag, yeah. which is kind of annoying. I've going. I've got a certain percentile chance to roll a characteristic. So they just entered another room, randomly determined side of another die. And I let's see. I say, for example, I roll uh, one of the characteristics I came up with is uh, filled with the sound of thunder. Oh, that's cool. I could then go to the corresponding <laughs> number for the creature. So it's a bathroom. I have. I have <laughs> for that characteristic, and it would be uh, lightning elementals. Boom. Yeah, okay. in the toilet. So it all We've makes sense. So I have a dungeon that I make up linearly. Linearly, it's linear. Uh, on the f- on the fly at the table, everything's determined, but it's all in tables. So it's not like I'm just like pulling stuff out so of you're my playing behind. Like first edition Dungeons and Dragons with more or less dice. Yeah. So Sounds they don't great. have the option when exiting one dice to go back to that dice. I'm going to do it is like how we talked about how like the movie Cube, where it constantly keeps shifting and mm-hmm. stuff. So like say you're exiting this die and going to the next one. And this, you can't, nobody listening to the podcast can see what I'm doing, but I'm trying to explain it. <laughs> Great radio. He's Every, got two everyone, guys sitting next to yeah. each other with corresponding faces. Everyone leaves the first room and goes into the next one. Then that I take that die away. And it disappears and it, goes back and it can in, be a different die It goes back into you. the pool. Yeah. If you go out another, the same exit you cool. just came in. So you can potentially cool. enter the same room twice and be like totally confused and like creeped out. You, you could potentially, I mean, you don't have to make a cube like it could be a flea mechanic. You can't turn around because you're running away from something. Yeah, uh, you could do. You yeah, just story. lay them out yeah. in the line. But yeah, Inkwell ideas. I'll give them a shout out. Um, That's pretty awesome. All right, Brian, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been having a good week. <laughs> <laughs> Not so good. I don't know. I haven't. I Got really nothing. Haven't. You want to move over? Waiting for HeroClick. You can like take my torch <laughs> of the like waiting for HeroClick. Waiting the, for HeroClick. Been reading the spoilers on. Uh, yeah. I have been reading comics. That's good. You know. Playing you've, Halo. You can play a lot of Griff Ball. 
Yeah, Griffball. Griffball is awesome. What's Griffball? Griffball is the new match type in Halo. It's basically like four dudes with swords and hammers, and it's just get a ball into the other person's end zone. There's like a little like like score area, and it's like basically football Halo. It's really fun. Cool. Yeah. Is this uh, downloadable content? Or? It's free for the if you have the game. They or, they rotate in uh, new game types. New game types. Cool. Well, yeah. check that out. <laughs> Griffball. Keep things fresh. Tyler, how about you? I'll try to keep it short as well. I'm going to only talk about one thing and then the new Fire Emblem game for the 3DS. Okay. In case, in case you don't know what Fire Emblem is, it's a strategy SRPG game. stands for Strategy RPG, which essentially is a grid-based uh, game with a, where you have a bunch of units, a bunch of uh, troops, kind of like... Uh, turn-based. It's a turn-based strategy game, as in like any board game anybody's ever yes, played. Yes, it's, it's a turn-based strategy game, game where... You, it's kind of like virtual and chess. And the RPG part is that they have abilities that you level selectively. Yes, and, and items and yeah. unique abilities. and So it's grinding, the game. Like <laughs> like all SRPGs. No, SRPGs are amazing. Um, I've seen someone that I've seen some that are truly mind numbing. Okay, well, I'm talking more in the purview Jeez, of like man. of like Final Fantasy Tactics. Like okay, there's, there's nothing grinding about that game. Is just no, a, Tactics was a great game. It's good fun for the whole family. It's my favorite game of all time, and Fire Emblem kind of follows that suit. Yeah. Same with um, there's other ones. There's like Advance Wars. That was a different kind. Uh, it it was on the Game Boy Advance, and instead of like yeah. individual troops, you had like like tanks and you know it was on it was on a broader scope but it was advanced wars was red alert on a on a handheld i always thought pretty much yeah yeah so it was it's that type of game and the new one comes out for the 3ds tomorrow and i've been reading reviews and they're all it's like tens all across the board i haven't seen reviews like this high for a game since hmm. Skyrim. I can sleep for a couple days. Are you? No, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get out of class tomorrow at 11, and I'm going to go straight to Target and buy it and play it all day because I absolutely love those kind of games. And basically, like it kind of reminds me, it's like it's like Hero Clicks, but any rule, like any, uh, the only thing I don't like about Hero Clicks is whenever there's like a rule that's not agreed upon by everybody or ever like there's something that's kind of iffy you sort of have to house rule like the game kind of streamlines that you know like a video game does the rule is pre-established you either can or can't do something right and you so, don't get to argue with anybody and you don't have to argue with anybody <laughs> right you, you play against the computer but right that's why i love hero click so much it, it, it that's it is based off of my original love for these srpg games mm. so i'm super stoked about having a new one and i played the demo tonight that i downloaded digitally and the graphics are fantastic it's 3d so like it, po- it pops out at you it's super cool. Cool, Mac. Cool. How about you? I I don't really hate Fire Emblem. I just wanted to you know give you an, uh, something to be in opposition toward. I guess uh, me. Uh, before I go on, have I talked about Tor already? Yeah, I talked about yeah that you, last speak, week. you talked about it last time. Okay. Speaking of which, um, what's the uh, what's the guild system like in there? I have no idea. I'm in a guild. I've paid no attention to it. You want to look into it? I've had uh, a couple of listeners express interest. In having a Carpe Diem Sportor Guild. Yeah, all right. Hmm. Uh, fig- uh, I'm on the Shadowlands server. Um, there's a lot I'm still kind of experimenting with. Uh, I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Yeah. Get back to you. Yeah. There's another thing I kind of want to talk about. Go ahead. There's a uh, new AAA RPG coming out by the people that did The Witcher called Cyberpunk 2077. That's based off the Cyberpunk tabletop game. Right. The old Cyberpunk material. and Sounds, it's I'm be- intrigued closely i think like the the guy that originally wrote 
the cyberpunk game is like an executive producer and like lead designer and stuff for the game. And this is a video game? Yeah, it's a triple A RPG. So like KOTOR, Mass Effect, uh, cool. Dragon Age, those kind of RPGs. It's right. going to be one of those. I love those games. Yeah. Well, yeah. Check it out. Uh, is that 2077 you said? Yeah. Where 2088 and 2099 taken? I just wonder because, you know, those are... I think it's 2077. Yeah. Okay. Looks cool. Well, I'm getting back into magic. Uh, Yeah. I move around from game to game all the time. Magic. It's it's what happens to me. I haven't, like, there's a a lot of my friends play casually. A couple of guys I know play, you know, not professionally, but... Play cash. But but, but, uh, 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 a little more seriously. And I haven't touched a card game in a while. And that was your big thing for a long time. Yeah, right? it's, it's card it's, player. It's, it's I always end up coming back to it, but for a while I was trying to play games other than Magic, just because Magic has a you huge were wrong. Magic has a gigantic problem. Land is a terrible idea. Like <laughs> I'm gonna play a third of my deck, more than a third in a lot of decks are cards that don't do anything, but I lose the game if I don't have them. Like it's just it's so there are other games with better mechanics, but. Magic's where, you know, a lot of really good game design comes in. Once they get past there, you know, I, I swear they can't get away from land. They're, you couldn't do it if you wanted to, you know. Um, and everybody plays it, so that's the game. I played Magic years and years and years ago, before in the storyline Planeswalkers became mollified and before, geez, back when a dual land was $180 and there were only five of them in the game. Like, I like getting into the sets where they go back to something like that, like Return to Ravnica and Gate Crash, the, the two newest sets and the newest blocker, really really echo uh, uh, previous sets I've seen before, and it's not so much like five-color-y, and the, the mechanics are tuned down. It's not like crazy, crazy crack cards. Like, <laughs> So get back in for a little while. I'll experiment a little. Cool. I love Magic. I play too. Yeah. Um, I, I never really got into it. I was too busy... Magic is just the game everybody plays, so everybody played it. Yeah. Well, one of the problems I've always had at local gaming stores, not with the stores, but like Magic players are big customers who spend a lot of money and travel around and mm. all that sort of stuff who don't play anything else. Yeah, I'm, they I'm don't read comics, certain, they don't play board games, they don't and play maybe other card games. Maybe we need to ask Drew about this when we get him on the mics, but I'm pretty certain things like Magic are exactly what the gaming stores prefer to have in their store. It doesn't take up much shelf space. It's a relatively low yeah. barrier of entry. It's quick. It's easy to get people in. You can hold it's events. Very popular. With, you can hold events with minimal, minimal. You, you you need a bit of software and somebody to run the event. You don't right. have to have a ton of stuff and just some space, some product and some space to play. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure that that in itself is probably playing a pretty big part in its popularity, and that it's probably pushed at every game store on the planet. At a lot of stores in the past, and we'll probably do a. a <laughs> Hey, you remember this store in the, in this town uh, when we start uh, when we do that episode? But uh, at a lot of stores in the past, I've had a big problem with the fact that the Magic players won't buy anything else, so the store just becomes just Magic. Now I play Magic too, but I also play other games. And well, support and, your local game store. Buy your books. Side our ma- local game store does not have that problem. It's no, worth saying. no, no. Um, we need. We really need to probably have an episode on the fluff that's behind the Magic: The Gathering. We should have a card game episode, probably. Let's put it on talk the, about old verses. Put it on the list. Um, UFS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I ran that game. I um into I the ground. <laughs> no, that's that's kind of true. <laughs> I haven't. Okay, UFS. Right. Yeah. UFS is a game that fundamentally didn't work. 
I used to do uh, uh, rules document beta testing for them. So I, I would I would be involved in, in the card sets when they were in development and like work on wording on stuff, make sure that it because yeah. they had a very limited staff doing design for these things. And some of the stuff didn't quite work the way they wanted to. And I'd have to like figure out what they were trying to say and then tell them how they needed to word the effects in the cards in order to like get the interaction that they wanted. But there was some stuff in their rules document, which they were never willing to change, like the full old rules document that the game was released with. They changed it a couple of times just for a couple of like things. But the major thing the the major game mechanic in UFS was you play cards yeah. into your play zone. Right. And it became gradually, I got to describe for the listeners. Yeah. It became gradually more difficult to play cards because their difficulty increased with the number that had previously been played. Right. So then the idea is that at the end of your turn, those cards get wiped into your discard pile and you start fresh again on your next turn. Except that the reason everybody thought that's the way the game worked was because when they went around and they did a great big tour going to all kinds of local gaming stores. This was a great idea that I've never seen another gaming company do. When they came out with a new card game, they toured local gaming stores to show, to hold individual tournaments and teach people how to play the game and hand out a ton of product. It was great. Got me playing. They had these play mats that what the, they kind of showed you how to move through the phases and stuff and where to put cards at different times. And they told everybody that when you were done at the end of your turn, you discarded everything out of your play zone. The rules document did not say that. And for something like two years, people were just playing right but wrong. <laughs> hmm. Like, And it was this huge hole. And I can remember when, uh, when that game got flipped over to another company, they changed a lot of staff and decided to try to redo that rules document and that was not one of the examples of rules that were fixed and that's when i stopped playing <laughs> yeah it was a, I, I thought it was a fun game i mean i had a lot, a lot of cards of yeah i bought car i bought a lot of cards in a short time for that game i have uncut yeah. sheets of that game oh really yeah <laughs> nice all right well <laughs> let's uh let's move on to our topic This segment is brought to you by Gamers Table, a discussion of tabletop role-playing games and other topics related to the gamer subculture. I listened to them. The uh, lame and overrated episode? I did listen to that. <laughs> I'm a, I am aware of this podcast you are talking about. Yeah. We kind of... Uh, uh, are all the episodes lame and overrated? No, 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 no. It That's wasn't the name of the episode. <laughs> yeah. the, that episode, um, Eric and the guys just thrashed pretty much everything that was pe- uh, part of the geek subcultures they also From- talked about how like this podcast called carpe gm was awesome. stupid yeah. <laughs> no but uh, yeah i listened to him and like i didn't get nerd rage from listening to it cause <laughs> mo- most of it most of it was right on like they hit the rob liefeld stuff which is something i was like completely like They'll never talk about that. And then they're like, we hate Rob Liefeld. And I'm like, I hate Rob Liefeld. <laughs> he can't draw feet or hands. And like, <laughs> You're like hate lovers yeah. now. And then like one person was just like... Hate squad. <laughs> I guess it got it got to me because like one this is person how and team ups happen. was like, I love Doctor Who and I love all these things that are really stupid. And I'm just like, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> well, that... That was the thing. It was very polarizing. I knew you'd enjoy it. That's why... Uh, I also I, listened to their Supervillains episode. Yeah. I wish I was part of that. And if you guys want to talk to me about comics <laughs> sometime, I will be 
happy to join in an episode about i love podcasts where you're like yelling at the podcast yeah. i'm like but you like like <laughs> like film sack once did true lo- or not true, uh, uh 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 last action hero and then and i was going you guys just don't get it you guys, like no i was I wanna, doing i want to tell you like, yeah. <laughs> i literally me and steve were listening to it and then i was just like i was yelling so much that i had to like pause it. i was like this is stupid and I, I'm like, I'm like, one person is really dumb and i'm just like eight squad I was just like, but the rest of these guys are awesome. I don't know. I liked it a lot, though. Good. Yeah, check it out. Good episode. I sent them... Uh, I, I put together some s- stupid pictures of the Gamer's Golden Fishy table. Award. Did you send them that? Is this something that they gave us? Uh, I, I'm uh, just saying. I put I put together... I photoshopped some terrible... Did some terrible photoshopping and, and created a fishing trophy that was like a golden fish on a pedestal and sent him that. Sent him the Golden Fishy Award for the podcast that was... What was what did I tell him it was? Oh, they, they were the podcast that pissed off the largest percentage of their listener base. Their own listener episode. They are the single anti-podcast. Episode. We can beat them easy. <laughs> anti-cast. We can... No, we don't need to, we don't need to take anybody off. We've been... Our, hey, we've been... Before Christmas, we were throwing around this idea that we needed to take another show on in a <laughs> in a trivia capacity. Well, maybe maybe someday. The hate squad. Hate 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 hate. <laughs> anyway, Is that like holla. Oh, uh, hate. Anyway, they um, that's the sponsor for this segment. Cool. Oh yeah, and the, the hate. And they sponsored yeah. something too. Sponsored by hate. <laughs> so nice guys. Brian, last episode you lost your mind. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. challenge Tyler to run his first campaign ever. Oh, this threatened. This will be. He, a he threatened me. He didn't challenge me. <laughs> and Tyler what? accepted this threat. <laughs> and you're running with it. You're actually going to run a fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons game, right? We'll see. Yes. So I thought it would be a good idea with you doing your preparation and you're using the essentials rules, right? Yes, I like them. Uh, with you doing your uh, your preparation for the your first campaign ever ran. For you to go ahead and throw us a few questions based on what you've learned so far from the book and what you need help with during uh, prep, uh, your your resident panel of GMs can help you out here. Give us a few cues so and we'll give you some A's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. So what do you got? Man, I've been waiting for A's all my life. Yeah. So let me just start off by saying that those Essentials books are like just eye-opening. Like Whenever Brian was threatening me last week, I was feeling... <laughs> We won't, uh, you probably won't hear that ever because the episode got the messed sound, up. The sound quality was crap, but it was very real to me. Did we put out an episode? Not yet. No? Oh. We never put out. Yeah. Anyway. We so, will. <laughs> like, yeah. So anyway, those Essentials books, like, so anyway, when um when Brian threatened me, I was like, oh man, there's no way. This is too much stuff. I can't I can't GM. These guys are always talking half the time. I don't even know what they're saying. I'm <laughs> I'm just here for the snacks. And then um there are none. There and there guy oh, always I'm, does walk in here with snacks and a tall boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a tall boy of Coke Zero this time. Yeah, I'm focused okay. diet. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, so, so but then he was like, hey, take these essentials books, learn them. I was like, "All right, fine." Oh, and so now, I, the Essentials Dungeons and Dragons manual has been touted. It's a pretty good manual. Uh, there's a lot of people saying that it's one of the most well-written DM manuals. It is that, good. that have been out there. See, I have nothing to compare it to because I've never read one before. But it just it covers all the bases so wonderfully. Like it answers question a lot of questions before I even uh, know how to ask them. Don't you, Max is mad because he doesn't like one thing in it. <laughs> 
I don't like a lot of stuff about the essentials. I stopped playing Fourth Ed because the essential books came out. You mad because the books? Because they're this big and fighters got basic attack. (laughs) (laughs) There were a few questions that were not answered by the book. However, few. Um, I'm going to start off with. Let's see. I have these um, kind of memoed. So, in my opinion, okay. So the book is like. All right. When you make the setting for the world, you know you the book really emphasizes heavy on like creating the environment in which your campaign is going to take place first, and then kind of filling it out with NPCs afterwards. Okay. Um, generally, when I was thinking of like the campaign I wanted to run, I actually started off wondering what kind of NPCs I was going to make, and then wanting to make a world around them. So my question is like. Is there anything wrong with making the NPCs first? Is there any pitfalls I'm going to encounter with just making an environment structured around um, colorful NPCs? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Exactly. Yes. Are you polarized in in either direction, anybody here? Oh, I think it's way easier to create NPCs than it is to steer (laughs) people toward a particular place because they're going to walk wherever they're going to walk, but you can put a person in any room in a castle. Okay. Depends on... uh, how uh, story-driven it is, because if I want to just show off NPCs, it's easier to make the NPCs and just say, like, well, where would they be? Like, where would they fight you? And that's basically all So, wait, I your do. question is, like, but when- do you design a world? Or, like, instead of designing a world, you'd rather design these players in this world and like, design the world based off of the personality of these players? I sort mean, of. You, basi- I mean- you realize that's basically fourth edition, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I didn't realize that, but, like... I just, you know, to me, it was just a lot easier first time DMing, like starting off with the people, like with, with the people I was going to have in the campaign. And then the, and the setting the kind of becomes like arbitrary at that point. Yeah. Like, why does it matter if the wizard's in a cave or in, you know, a sand castle or whatever? You're talking about NPCs. You're talking, talking about, about the party or like NPCs? NPCs. Yeah. yeah okay. the, I'm sorry. The, the, the evil wizard. Just making sure. Yeah. Okay. Fourth, That's fourth, fourth edition is a lot more conducive to, to, do, to doing that. Like, okay, cool. Fourth edition actually kind of takes you away from storyline pregening a yeah. lot of your NPCs because I, it becomes really easier. It become it, fourth ed made it a lot easier to generate encounters. Right, I thought. I think that um, it it comes down to your own creative process. If you are if you find it easier to create an area or a story based on a character concept, and then you use that as the platform to build your surrounding area, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's when creating a world, do you come up with the city? Do you come up with the country? Do you come up with the county? Do you come up with the a main character's house? It, it doesn't matter where you start as long as you can use that as a platform to branch out. Yeah. Like, if you're also... If, I, think you're, I think you stand the chance if you start too big... If you, if you don't keep your eye on the prize, you run, you run the risk of doing what I do, which is way over-prepping. And I get lost in the worlds that I create. So, but isn't that half the point? Well, it ends up Game of Thronesy. Seven years mm, between books. Yeah, if you're yeah, trying to, yeah. uh, if West you're just trying to run a quick one shot, it's a wasted effort. Although I don't, I don't really think it's a wasted effort for me because I just file all that way and use it again later. But to give someone that on their, to give someone the advice to create their entire world on their first GMing attempt, not not good advice. Okay, if you're basically like saying, hey. This NPC's role in the party is to be is to say to the the players, "Hey, go over there and do that thing." 
there's no reason at all you really have to be like, well, does he have a wife? What does he do for a job? Like, all that stuff is just arbitrary. It's just, it doesn't. Oh, yeah, you don't right. have to flesh him out you, too you much. You can just, but... like, make it up. If you just be, if we're just like, what does he do? You'd be like, uh, he makes boogers. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think a lot of it depends on what kind of story you're trying to tell. If the story is how they went and got the ruby and the ruby's at the end of a labyrinth, you don't have to create the NPC who tells him to go get the, the ruby. You have to create the labyrinth. But if it's going to be some sort of narrative character driven if if any sort of social interaction is the drive like you you do need those npcs and you need them more than the locations if it if you're talking about like level building like is if the if the if there's an end boss if there's like an evil wizard in the tower that that's the last thing that they're going for to get is it bad if i start writing him now I don't think so because I don't think so either. Because I think it, it lets you put the power level of the wizard at one place, and then once you declare where the power level of your party is going to start at, you now know like how far you have to bring them to be able to handle the wizard at the end, and that's how long your campaign is. You now have like some shortcuts to. And you also in the in the vein of creating the surrounding area, you have this wizard. You know what his power level is. You know what his motivations are and what he's done. Why is he the bad guy? You start working backwards from that. How do the townspeople around feel about him? You know, what does he do to them? So is that kind of like and that lets you get the story like reverse engineering? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. If the goal of your campaign is the the evil wizard in the sand tower, then you need to figure out what's happening in the nearest oasis and and on the desert sands between here and there. And it gives you it gives you a uh, any point that you're going to start from is going to be a constructive point as long as you can extrapolate out from it. Whether it's story or mechanics, you can build out from there. Okay. As long as you can cross-reference the two. He's a 20th level wizard. Why? How did he not get killed at third level? What kind of stuff does it... Where, what kind of place does a 20th level wizard live in? Right. What kind of stuff does he have around him? And that actually kind of brings me to my um, to my next question. Sure. Okay, so... Yeah, like the level 20 wizard. That's a good segue. Um, how do I like let my players know about that the encounter is over level like it's 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 higher than their level without using metagame like okay they played fourth edition before they know that x is level 20 and there's you know no level two version of x i usually so say what you're saying is like just to clarify the question if you have a creature that is only supposed to be against level one character or no level against level four characters but you have level one characters attacking it and by design, they're not supposed to be fighting it. They're supposed to find some way to, you know, subvert. You have uh, two options. You one, the way I do it is usually I go, this guy looks like a badass. You probably shouldn't mess with him. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah. like that's kind of what I say. Or the second one is let them die. I disagree. Dang. I think a fourth level character should know that they can't take a dragon, but a dude in a robe can be an old crazy guy or a 20th level wizard like you, you never make him, know like like if you're trying to avert your players from doing it then you have to be more like yeah this guy looks like a badass or like this guy looks like he's got some serious hefty magic abilities or he's very strong and his equipment armor look like they outclass yours by a lot i think for the most part that if your character if your characters can't tell that something's a villain that they can't handle they should probably not start you know, if you don't know, then don't, yeah. you know. That's why I was kind of, and there's like, is the difference between like the actual characters, the PCs that are like living in a bubble and don't know that a dragon's going to destroy you in one hit, or the ones that are well-versed in the world and, you know, well-versed in the world that, uh, whose system I'm choosing to play in, you know, and they know 
basically like they they have like the meta knowledge of they know the meta they have the meta knowledge almost of the monster vault maybe like a little bit less like the monster vault essentials okay well uh i I can approach this two different ways number one i'm not going to throw something that's blatantly overpowered at my players i might hint at it but the minute i pull it out and put the dice on the table they're going to try to fight it that's yeah. rough. That's a rough. That's a rough thing to tell them. No, you can't fight this. Nobody wants to be told you can't beat this thing. Yeah, that's that exactly. What back it, to our conversation about the vast majority of you know these books is combat. That's what I was thinking on the way here. You, you hit the nail on the head. Was that you know the, like everything's like so hinged on combat that no matter what this thing looks like, it could be like you know freaking Galactus from the Marvel universe, and they could be have wooden swords and wooden shields and still try to fight them. Just that's right. just part of the system, I think, and part of part of many tabletop systems. The other approach that I had um, is that if you do want the fight, want them to fight something that's too overpowered, if it serves your story for whatever reason, then don't call it what it's called in the monster manual. Have the villagers tell them that the the green fangs are across the way have been terrorizing the the farmers. There's no green fang in the monster manual. Uh, you can get over there and find out that they're goblins later. But you describe them. Maybe these goblins dress in furs. Maybe you know it's all, it's all in the way you you build the flavor. You can you can reskin an orc to be any number of creatures you want it to be. And One just thing use that the also sets. really deters players if you're like there's a lot of them. Like there's 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 like <laughs> there's multiply yeah, no, yeah. it's like well there's like twenty guys over there in that encampment and like most of the players are just like backing off in the city of goblins don't throw rocks yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah. I mean there's a couple a of a and swift blade yeah exactly and then he'll try to fight them all there's a there's a couple I of saw op- the Hobbit they do fight them all there's a couple of options there I mean I personally am not going to put my guys up against something that's it, it, particularly in a game like fourth edition, which is so mechanics based, putting something that's way too high for your characters is going to be rough for your characters. Yeah. It's going to be rough for your players because that game is so rooted in mechanics. Yeah, You can pull so. that off. You can pull that off a little easier in a system that's more, I don't want to say lenient, but less a war of attrition. So the system structured in such a way, it's like such a natural power creep that it almost has to be like a linear sort of leveling it, that's kind of the issue that a lot of people have with fourth edition is that once they've built a bunch of encounters they kind of see that parallel i it, don't think that's true i, I mean saying. there's actually a formula in the old fourth ed books that that if you plotted it it would form a line now with that said there are some other factors that can that can mitigate that i always like uh, a goal in combat that isn't to kill everybody yes good one rescue someone get a thing uh chase Hold off that's a, something, a specific that's good. number of rounds. I completely didn't consider that. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, holding action. Yeah. Uh, there's that. You guys have any other ones to Win- throw in for just un- un-goals? That actually just gave me a really good idea. Just I'm going to memo like this in my iPhone. Capturing cool. something alive. Yeah, okay. like Wounding. bounty hunt as yeah. opposed to yeah. like murder hunt. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Surviving just for X amount of... Yeah, running away. Yeah, just like this is one of those things you can't win. You just have to like do the best you can. Okay. Chase, retreat, hold, yeah. uh, get a thing, protect. Uh, like if like somebody's like, yeah, protect I'm, a thing. I'm like rescue on a computer over here, right? Hold them off. Um, make it on a moving platform so like things are going. Like around. I'm personally not opposed to putting like a, uh, uh, something that's blatantly overpowered in front of people, but I tend not to write such a thing. Like 
okay, monsters would easily just eat you because they're monsters, they're animals, and they just do that. They would blatantly just kill you. Anything where you can but something like a dragon or a giant or something like that that could, you could tell by looking at it that it that it would. Yeah. Yeah. But Low when, level it, when, characters it, when it comes probably, to when it comes yeah. to ones with character classes, I try to not make them so like stock dark wizard evil yeah. that they would like. So yeah, if my, they, they so if my characters so if my characters start something, they'll end up you know imprisoned or something, and I just have to take the take the plot hook one encounter down where they need to escape first, and then they can go on doing all the rest of their stuff. Right. Uh, there's something that I call the player's edge, and that is, is it a sword? No, no. Is it a Pro wrestler? It is not. (laughs) It's not a tangible thing, but I found as a GM of many, many years that while I sit and ponder every conceivable concept of what the players are going to do, they always surprise me because there's four or five of them. Uh, (laughs) The players have four or five brains working against my one. Not to say that I'm adversarial, but I try to be ready for anything that might come up just so that the game doesn't grind to a halt. So the fact that you are running a creature that's a couple levels too high for the players to beat doesn't necessarily mean that they can't beat them maybe the five character maybe the five players around the table are better strategists than you are and maybe their strategy can make the difference uh so i mean you can use monster levels to if you're not a very good strategist to kind of support you there too uh but you don't know that yet I mean, I'm I'm assuming you know whether you're a decent strategist or not, but you haven't felt the press of the player's edge against you. Uh, you'll feel it once you start GMing. You'll see that press. they're gonna they're gonna start bouncing stuff around. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna throw away ideas that you thought were brilliant, and they're gonna come up with ideas that you never even considered. What every GM always to, says to is solve a problem. Whenever I write down these things that I this is how I imagine it going. You can basically just take that and throw it away. Yeah, we'll never go that way. Will, like never yeah. actually do what you want them to. Yeah. Do. So that's, that's actually that's, pretty. Yeah. There's a lot of. And, 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 if you, and if you keep trying to like grab the steering wheel, you're you're just gonna mess things up. The player's edge. <laughs> it's like, is there another thing called the player's? Personally, caliber? I use a Mach three turbo. No, but, I, I use the player's caliber, not the player's edge. Oh yeah. Yeah. I always loved Zinghua with the the player's caliber. <laughs> yeah. Is that how you say? It? I don't. I have no idea how you say that. Man. <laughs> Soul caliber. All right, Tyler, you got what, what else you got? Okay. This is all kind of like follows a sort of pattern, I guess, because this next one falls along the same lines of like a level of something not conforming to level of the players necessarily. Meaning like items or yes, monsters? Yes, this one is, um, I entitled it Unique Loot Distribution. For instance, um, I Who think gets Thor's hammer when they down Thor? Sort of. It's yeah. like we all have that embedded sense as players, sort of like, Okay, after this encounter, you're going to get some sort of loot, or somebody's going to get some sort of loot. Like, you know, that's just, I guess that's just the way that, uh, you know, Western RPGs, or even, I guess, Japanese that's, that's RPGs. the way a like, lot of them work. Built it. So, if you're, if you're doing a, um, if you're doing a dungeon crawl, you're doing battles and whatnot, the loot is kind of the reason to be there. Right. So, I'm kind of, kind of on two roads with this. I'm kind of wondering, you know, what if, like, they're in uh, the the players are in a a goblin town or something like that and all the goblins are sleeping and then they like happen upon like a chest out in the middle of you know the out in the open and I'm then not they touching it. I don't want <laughs> Okay, well you're you're not touching it. But say they open it up and they're level 3 and there's like a level 14 item in there. I mean, 
Like it doesn't don't matter. Do you, that. You, yeah. you don't do that. So it doesn't entice them to like. It doesn't entice play them, but it, it, a lot more and it get breaks to level fourteen. Game. But they can't use it. Why can't? Oh they no, use no, it? that's not the way the game works. Yes, it is. It is. I think in fourth edition. In fourth oh, there edition. are level requirements. The, yeah. the problem yeah. is, yeah, there there's, are some. there's level yeah. requirements for the weapon. Level. I'm just saying at level. You got a level fourteen item. You're level one. I'm selling it. I'm buying everything level one that I can use. And so you have. If it's a couple even though, levels off, then yes, that's a. They might hold on to it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so keep it within reach instead yeah. of being like, oh yeah, you'll you'll get to use this in two months real time. But I, I never think... liked the random loot generation stuff because I could never explain why there was a rod of whatever the hell uh, in, I don't, in the I don't Goblin care. Town. I still randomly generate. I, mean, I love I think random, it's fun. Yeah, I love yeah. randomly generating loot. But fourth edition does not do that. You do not randomly generate right. loot in fourth edition. Really? They, yep. Nope. You just pick them. There's... They do these things called parcels or uh, packages or whatever, and you literally just go. Uh, it's like pick a level one item, a level two item, and gold or items worth this. You still have tables in there. I can remember nope. seeing the tables. No, nope, nothing you roll on. Oh. Huh. Am I got anything on on leveled if, items? If it's there, it's there. Like I, I randomly generate like ninety five percent of all my loot, and and this kind of fits right along with your dungeon dice there. Right. Yeah. I think it. I mean, I think it's just sort like of dice. I would yeah. almost want to play a campaign that was about explaining how all the random loot got to all the places it was in. People see, died I, there. See, I think it. I think it's fun to have the players be like, "What? What? That doesn't make sense. Why is this loot here?" And I'm like, and "I don't why care." Why wasn't that orc? We were like, just you guys just got it. loot. No, in WoW, I could never explain why there was a hammer in a boar's right. stomach. I could never. <laughs> in Diablo, I could never understand why, why the, yeah. all the dead people have gold. Like, yeah, yeah they, they need <laughs> yeah. it. Like, you know, it's the, like there's lunch all money. All these or zombies something. had their lunch money on them still. <laughs> and I guess so. Are, are we done on that? Or, no, no, okay. no. I've got some more stuff. Okay, cool. Keep I've got a couple more things for you. Cool. Uh, number one, I would say that you've if you've got an item that you want them to have in a couple of levels. In in fourteen levels, don't even put it out there because they're just going to break your game now. They're just going to go out and buy everything, sell it, go buy everything they can possibly ever think they could need at this level. Is it like the golden ticket? If they ticket? can't use it, but it's obviously great, selling it becomes the thing they really want to do. That's what they want to do. Now you're going to know it is a golden. They're going to walk away from whatever campaign sell. you had them on and go to town. Right now. You were talking about giving them an item, letting them see an item, or having them hold an item that they can't use for two levels. I think it's better if you can build that into the storyline. Hey, the sword of, of you a know, thousand truths. The sword <laughs> of a thousand truths has been spotted in the hands of this evil wizard that you're chasing after. Something like that. Whatever it's going to be, ghost. it gives them one more reason to go after this dragon's horde, or one more reason to go down in this hole. The last place we saw the bow that you seek is in the hands of such and such that went through into the cave 20 years ago. Or like they have the player's edge, the the magical sword, they've inherited it from their master or whatever, but they can't use it because they're three levels too low, so they go on a quest to like gain level the power up. to use it. I'm going yeah. to yeah. level up! Never. Well, no, you make it more of like you have to make it a tangible thing yeah. or something. Yeah, like a pilgrimage. You must gain the sword fighting skills to <laughs> oppose the evil wizards. Is there a magic sword spell in Fourth Ed? I don't know. The <laughs> they need a montage. The easiest thing to do as a new training game montage is to listen to what your characters want and just give it to them. I see. That's the easiest okay. thing for you to do, but you don't necessarily want to do that because to to just hand them. Oh, they wanted this plus five Holy Avenger sword to just hand them that. That's a goal completed. Every time they complete a goal, you stand the risk of them deciding that the next goal isn't worth it or making the next goal too easy to attain. And I'm not saying to be stingy. Just don't be a Monty Hall GM. Don't let them go in and just 
if you're playing fourth edition, follow those rules. And that was a yeah, that was a, another branch on the whole loot distribution thing that I was wondering about was like, okay, so they you know they uh, they uh, because loot. The, the reason I'm saying this is because the loot, the magic items, the, the spell-like abilities from the magic items and all that stuff is all factored into the progression in 4th edition. Mm-hmm. If you're 3rd level, you're expected to have 3rd level magic okay. items. If you don't, you're subpar. I see. But how do you, so how do you distribute loot to where you're not like, you know, like... You know, you get a staff and you get a bow, and it's like Oprah. Like you get a car, and you know, like everyone, <laughs> like you get a bow, you get a like bow. Everyone, everyone gets, everyone gets a exactly. Bow. It's weird. Like everyone a gets <laughs> exactly oh, what they need, and then they fire. move on, and then the next time they get exactly what they need. You like, can have a bow, or you can have what's in the mystery box. <laughs> right? Could even be a bow. You know, <laughs> could even be a bow. Be anything. Yeah, it could even be a bow. Yeah. So like. There's no like okay I give Just him let them you know, do it. I give him the archer the bow this time but nobody else gets anything they can use or anything they can't sell. During Just those, stagger like, it. Doesn't if matter. that's going to be yeah. the case okay. then during matter. those times you make sure that everyone has something that they need to that their particular skill set is needed to or do. Or start giving out mundane magical items like like, uh, get- like like this thing that is an item that can help any character. Like this is not a bow. Yeah, it's not a, everybody it's a has to plus so con, kind yeah. of like yeah. uns, unspecified. Yeah, not everybody I, has to get their grandfather's old weapon every the, time. That's not the way it works. Okay. If also, I, that's min maxing, and you should is. be careful about yeah. letting people like expect right. that. Yeah, if, yeah but yeah, like min maxing because it's like but if I ever have when like I'm playing, you don't want it though. <laughs> if I ever have like a serendipitous item for a player. It's just, it's only because I decided right there on the spot that like, hey, this guy maybe needs something to help his character out. Yeah. It's not because I like, okay, well, we're going to, let me show your character sheets. My, right, right. my favorite in stuff has always been storyline loot. Yeah. Right. But in fourth edition, especially, you don't want to be like, okay, we got one guy wearing plate exactly. armor and one guy wearing robes and you don't like be like, all right, you find a bunch of leather. Um, yeah. You have just, to avoid like, useless gear. Yeah. 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 Well, anything you give them that's completely completely useless to their characters is going to be a trip to the it's store. Just money, vendor trash. It's going to be a trip to the store. So if if you don't want to make them to make a trip to the store because they need healing, potions, give us a magical vendor that follows us everywhere. That's retarded. <laughs> what? It's a courier. The they, they need it's you need uh, to give them a, cor- a courier to take items they don't want anymore back to the shop. There's yeah, a really the flying donkey. There's a- I incorporated something like that in the campaign I did. There's a uh, thing in the monster, the second bestiary for Pathfinder called the Mercane. And he's basically just like a dimensional merchant who like, <laughs> tri- yeah, they used like to be called things. arcanes. They're yeah. blue and they got the extra knuckles yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's actually a pretty cool concept of, uh, you have a, an army traveling from point A to point B to whatever, take over a new country or whatever, knock down the next kingdom. And behind that army is a, a small caravan of merchants and, prostitutes and uh, uh it's just hell on wheels well well that's they're following the army because the army's going to need supplies so S- when supplies somebody, when somebody wants the uh when somebody wants a watermelon they yeah can just look behind two them. big ones they can look <laughs> <laughs> yeah they can the, those were there too yeah. yeah so i mean that, that's actually kind of a cool concept but kind of dangerous to just follow a group of pcs running around you're, you're probably just going to be a target uh, I have a question for the DM. Sure. Oh, that's, is that is that me? Okay. That's you. Hey, what's uh, up? May I have my character be riding atop a triceratops with two Vorpal greatswords as horns? 
Maybe eventually. With Did, swords <laughs> as horns? Did you like embed them in its skull? Yes. If, That's only, good because Triceratops don't actually exist. Right? Only if the other players okay. have similar um, qualities and you're playing in a world to where it would make sense. Is a street shark a viable playable race? <laughs> Not, what are we talking like Jimmy from down the block here? Or are we which, no, no, like Street no, Sharks, like the 90s Street Which one? They like, rock, they roll. The actual Street the, Sharks. The Hammerhead kind? The they Great fight. White kind? They, they want to be Big Slamu, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, how did we go so far? Slamu well, was a killer whale, wasn't he? Yeah, he was an orca. Yeah, they, that guy's a mammal. This makes no sense. <laughs> He's a street shark. No, I don't think he was a like in the sharks gang. I think he was like a secondary character. Yeah, he was. Right. He was. I will yeah. not allow this conversation <laughs> to go on any longer. Tyler, did you have any more GM questions? Yes. So, do you really want to do that? No. <laughs> just, holy shit! I just, <laughs> I just want everyone no. to have a good time. Um, Jesus. Wow. Trick question. Trick answer, yeah. I want to be a street shark. <laughs> Pop quiz. I guess um, this last one, I kind of, uh, it kind of got answered in the process of answering the first three. I guess okay. that, that kind of happens sometimes when you're developing questions right. in a set like this. But um, I guess I put down like conforming to truths. It's like conforming to your own. Is it easier to conform to like the truths that you establish or to just like study up on the the like the Dungeons and Dragons world and just know like everything about that world and just like establish your own truths. Establish yeah. it's, it's easier to like yeah. like my trolls breathe fire. So it, yeah, like it's that's easier fine. as long as I can stay consistent on it. And as you got to be good can, enough with uh, mechanics. mechanics to be able yeah. to make that happen. But yeah, yeah you can so do whatever you want. Establish your own truths is way better. It's here's way more a, fun anyway. Here's an example. Uh Salvatore, Ari Salvatore, his trolls in his books uh if you chop off an arm it doesn't just grow back it creates another troll. another troll two trolls uh the trolls in the forgotten realms not so you don't want to have to don't want to have to pay or that not, troll toll the trolls in <laughs> troll the uh <laughs> the trolls in the, the monster manual that wasn't the we don't get no the forgotten we realms can't get no rolls uh so you can you can establish whatever truths you want the only thing about that is be careful what truths do you establish because remember the player's edge i was telling you about Anything that you establish that this one guy can... I will exploit the crap They out will of it. exploit it. Yeah. And they're expected to. Because if particularly if they've built their character around a mechanic that this happens to uh, hinder or help, they're going to exploit it. Yeah, you got to not, not turn just, trolls' heads into like Medusa heads. they got to right. not be flamethrowers now. You know, so something like that. Because there's... The, the issue is going to be not in the fact that your sky in this realm is purple. That's not going to be of any consequence to your characters, unless, of course, you can find a reason to make that pertinent. However, if you make gravity function at half its at half its normal force, then players are going to exploit that. You know, yeah. Now you can have a cave where that happens, or something. We gonna like be that flying if you want to play with it, but everybody's going to be flying. You're going to be, yeah. You're going to be having dog fights. And I just feel like it would be kind of hard for me to keep track of as well, right? So, like, wait, I thought you said, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that happens. My suggestion to you is write stay stuff to, down. Stay to, stay true to the books that you're reading, and you can change things that are not mechanics based. Like so break the mold when realm, you know the mold. Make minor tweaks as the instead of entire overhauls. In this realm, magic is frowned upon. I know you're that changes things, and it changes the NPC interactions and the way your characters have to to 
to function in the world. It means two things. They're n- they need to not use it as much as they might otherwise, and nobody else is using it as much as they might otherwise. And it doesn't do anything but create a feel for the area. Because now all of a sudden, in this area where magic is frowned upon, the sword slingers are the ones that are the most powerful characters. There's also a reason that magic is frowned upon, right. which can be religion can or some sort of like... Back from there, and there, I yeah. know I've and probably... And that becomes handed- a truth that is not a mechanical quandary for you to solve Brian. i know i probably handed you a big old stack of books already and you're probably sick of looking at books but i have the fourth edition forgotten realms campaign setting book that's just basically like here's what this world is like and, it's and it just kind of a ha- layout of cities yeah and stuff so like you can that. just kind of like bra- breeze through it if you want to look at just it use just a, like that would be a quick reference yeah, that'd be a pretty good foundation yeah, just kind you don't of just, have to use it, but it's an example of how how, how someone out, might use how it. much people flesh stuff out yeah. and how to describe okay. it. It's actually probably a little more than what people. Yeah, flesh. yeah you do something sure. less than that, but yeah. you, okay. you you can figure out as you're reading it the parts that like, you find give you a feel for the place are the essentials, and the rest of it's not. Right. Okay. So that was your last one. Yeah, I think so. I think you you guys did a pretty good job, and um, you know, do we have any questions for our GM, Mac? Uh-huh. Do we have any questions for our GM? Well, no, you guys are out. you yeah, guys yeah. are all going to be playing this together, right? Uh, I don't know. Steve, Steve are, you are you playing with this? I might not be in it, but... I, I know, won't be. Steve don't do anything. It's me and Mac, and we're trying to get a third person. I'm trying to see if either Woodard or or Spencer... Spencer's a great role player. That's not experience at all. So we're going to DM, too. Rebel, Hobbs, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> the, the all-star crew Well, of all the different personalities. What advice would you have for a new GM? Or not advice, what question would you have for a new GM? I want to know... Even if he's not yours. It's been 20 years since I've been a new GM. I I, I don't know. It's kind of intriguing. Okay, so I we're starting a game. That. What are the questions do I get to ask you? Is it basically it? Oh, that's an interesting idea. Like, how much do you need to know before you start writing up a character? Yep, that's exactly... Because I want to start making my character, but I had questions. So, I'm going to ask them. Yeah, okay. do it. Um... What level are we? If you can't answer yet. Don't answer. Don't. Don't. Yeah. Don't. I'm yeah, not going to make up an answer yeah, on the fly. Okay. I'll only answer. Yourself. Yeah. Right. I'll what only level answer. do we create our character? I was at. thinking one. Okay. Right. Are That's there any start. class yeah. and or race restrictions? Not that I have come across. Now, uh, instead of, I mean, are you talking play, just what's in the essentials book, or the player's handbook? The player's the player's handbook and the essentials. Let's let's talk broad strokes real quick. Uh, there's no boundary on magic, right? Like. Only a few people get to use magic. Like, well, for instance, Dan was using an example of a world where magic is frowned upon. Uh, uh, is there that sort of thing? Is it is it is it that much less likely that would be a magic user? Something like that? No, no. Okay. So but on the on the flip side, it's not easy. It wouldn't be easy for you to like be like an all powerful genie. Like, well, no, easy. we're level right. one. Okay, I, I get that. okay, yeah. No, it would just be like it would it be uncommon to walk into a town and there'd be wizards there. Yeah. Would you? Can, no. Can yeah. you be a like? Is it a place without a wizard school, and there and the, and only wizards are out of wizard school, so there's no wizards? Like nope. That's for this first campaign, it's going to be medieval uh, high, high fantasy. High fantasy. Yes. Okay. okay. That's that's a pretty good pretty good uh, line to lay down there. Yes. Okay. okay. Are we all from the same place, or are we travelers coming into a place? I haven't decided that yet. Okay. So, is there going to be an alignment restriction? Hmm. Would you prefer to us to be good? Say yes. <laughs> Oh, I hate alignment. Say yes. Mm, yeah, Dan doesn't like alignment. Uh, Dan doesn't like alignment. Um, fourth edition did a kind of cool thing within with one of the alignments, and it just made it good. So, like, you basically just force us to be good. I mean, I don't know because, like, actually, doesn't fourth ed say player characters have right. to be good? I nope. do not have a horse in this sworn. race. I'm neither the player nor the GM, 
as your attorney in this matter, I suggest you enforce the good alignment. What about neutral? Here, let's change See, it to this. Neutral is just an excuse to neutral be evil. Is an is, is to be neutral evil just like too self-serving to have a good. Po- a it means you can be good, good and go and be evil, but you're not bound to be evil. Like okay. e- evil has to be evil in every scenario. Good gets to do it. Neutral gets to do whatever it wants, so and then be out. evil sometimes and okay. not worry about it. We will have. The episode on alignment someday. You seem so. <laughs> you don't want to. <laughs> and I will make sure to get good filters because I'll be peeking the mics across the board. Okay. Oh. okay. Well, my good filters for this <laughs> campaign. I rule. Filter is good. Okay. So some sort of All good. Right. So either lawful good lawful or good, good. Uh, or regular. Can good. you be chaotic good? No. What? It's either lawful good that? or good. Because okay. good like encompasses. Fourth Ed is like either you're good and then you can role play that however you want to do good or you're the crazy lawful good, basically. All right, that's I swear, yeah. I swear I thought that they said that you had to be good or lawful good. Or neutral or there's evil and I could have sworn I could have sworn that the, the first player's handbook for, for like before essentials for the first player's handbook for fourth ed said I mean, I could you be cannot wrong. be evil. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's true. Hmm. Regardless, I did uh yeah. like okay, so same Mac wants to play a Elderin or what's that Oracle class you In, race you like? Uh, Invokers the class. What's the uh, uh, divine? What are they called? Uh, they're basically like not even people. They're yeah. like they're like floating masks. People. Oh no, they're 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 people looking things, but they're they're angels. Yeah, they look like angels yeah. or like they don't look human. Is there at a all. race? That's what I was gonna okay, say. The it, race, they are. I, a race. I, was, I was, I was leaning yeah. towards playing a dragonborn, and yeah, if he, and if he pl- ends up playing one of those, are we going to be detrimented because neither of us are human? Human, yeah. That might be. That might be something that'll come up. But if you find somebody else that is willing to play a human, then it won't be a detriment. Like, because one, would you guys feel pigeonholed if he kept it to the basic fantasy humans and demi-humans yeah uh yeah because fourth ed is fourth built, ed is built for, on yeah it's built for like stuff. dragonborn as, as like how to build your character yeah fourth, it, fourth ed practically takes place in an ecumenopolis like a a, a world city like because right. because all the races are expected to be everywhere yeah okay like, so it's all yeah, yeah and and you're right and Quick. that that's like and i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to limit you to just playing dwarf elf halfling human anyway well that's the problem the player classes in at least the the basic version of, i don't have a lot of experience with the essentials but the player classes in the basic versions of fourth ed were built to to be paired up with certain races some of the time yeah and like sometimes they need the stat buffs and stuff right. and if you so like if all the players can be any of those races we need to be walking around in a country that's made up of all those races. So here's yeah. or else, or else some of the characters are standouts. Here's kind of like suggestion. a Pangea. It's not like yeah. the goblins are you know isolated and living on their own island. Like they could be integrated among. I mean, you can have them yeah. tribal, but wherever the party gets together at and whatever the party's background is needs to be something. It's kind of like can, a Coruscant, um, yeah. uh, you know, or like a just like a, a mic, you know, like a melting. And if we go into the Goblin Village, you need to anticipate that some of us are going to be considered strange there. You know, well, yeah. in a Goblin Village, we'll all be considered strange. Uh, there, so that's fair. But if right. we go to, you know, the if we go into the, the 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 dragon, the mother dragon's den that has a bunch of dragonborn in it, like. Everybody who's not a dragonborn is going to stick out. Okay, know. so I think right. what I'm going to say... I got one more piece of advice okay. for you before we move on. Okay. I suggest that you get to you figure out your third player, whoever it's going to be, and you all get together and create your characters together. Uh, forget that. I'm going to be working on mine for weeks. I'm, I'm going to have like, every your, book out. That's going to be... I mean, if you're going to have... is he got? Does he have access to all the same books that you are going to be using? No. 
I, I wouldn't let people play a, a game using books that I don't have access well, to. We know this game. You know this game, but the guy running it doesn't. How can you take that long? You're level one. Yeah, but I got lots of options. I've I'm, I'm, I've got like five different characters I got in mind right now. So that it's a pretty important question: is do I do they make the characters and then I make justifications for what you know? Like for, personally, I like the character creation session. What do you, what do you mean? Characters I like to table. have a session where everybody's sitting around the table. Even making the even me, we're all professionals. No, here. you don't need to make your NPCs. You need all to be managing time, everybody but else. You need to be. During the character creation phase, the con- the conceptual phase, you can then start working with your rationalizations of who they are and where they've come from during that time. Also, uh, you guys do what you want, but whatever books he's going to use, make a list of them and let him see them so you can see what the rules are. Just if it's like the pertinent sections. I mean, if it's, Yeah, you don't you need know. to study the whole or thing. Or we can all use so D&D you know- Insider on the website and it forces us to make characters right. It's not that I'm saying you're cheating. I'm saying he's ignorant. Oh, so I'm just not like uh, he's rude. Uh, so I'm just That's like not rude. <laughs> I, know, I know. So I'm just like, oh, I cast this spell that exiles all zombies, and, and he like, doesn't well, know there that goes that my zombie exists. campaign. Right. The the power construction thing that uh, uh, Fourth Ed did kind of auto balances yeah. stuff, so you can't really get too far out of the box. Okay, you can't really break it. I mean, the, I try. I tried. Takes his... I tried to power game that for a long time. I will be happy to and explain I got, to you what my character does, but I'm making it. I got to where certain feat combinations at really at, at like moderate high, to middle to high levels could could do some kind of crazy interactions, but at low levels at least, everything's so wickedly underpowered that there's no way you could possibly break forth it. I'm just saying, if he creates his uh, his bad 3.3, guy three point five based on yeah. <laughs> Based on everything in the everything in under the evil wizard's power is made of glass, and he can control anything made of glass. For instance, glass nido. Uh, sure, I'm I'm, not, I'm just throwing out arbitrary <laughs> stuff here. Okay, if this is just something that he creates and he centers his his um his NPC or his villain around glass, and then he does that, and the PCs come up with a spell that he did not know existed that just Sunder's glass. I mean, not possible, but cool. Okay, I, I understand. No, it is possible yeah. if you're but, using but in source books that the like new not. GM doesn't know. But well, he doesn't know that that's not possible. But Brian and I are here to tell you that the way Fourth Ed's written up, being almost entirely combat, they, it's just not possible. There are there aren't even spell books. Like there's 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 a list of what are they called? Rituals. Rituals, and they are like to res somebody. To cure a disease. To like, ask a question from two hands. One, it's one hand, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. One huge advantage that it's I have is that I'm, I'm going to have two well-versed auditors to Love help that. me right. help right. me out without ruining the, the campaign and right. ruining the world that I've created and kind of on, uh, is kind of like hamstring my entire effort to like create the world. Given the fact that you have a couple of good players that are going to be in your party that I know of, uh, you have the luxury of not having to be the... Uh, sole arbiter of the rules so you can actually focus a little bit more on storyline which is not something that you it's not a a luxury that you always get right because if you don't know where something is in the book you can say hey where's this at or something like that and one of these guys gonna be like hey it's over here it's gonna save you some time so you're not gonna have to sift through every page of the. You also have the luxury of the fact that you have played Fourth Edition before, so you right. have some sort of knowledge. Yeah, right. we played. It, I mean, I played it for like four months, pretty extensively. So I understand. Like that's why I'm able to. You know, I know a lot of what direction I can I can go and what direction I want to go. But I think some of it goes back to the NPC, the chicken or the egg with the NPC thing. Like 
I really think that I can do a ton more if I have their characters and or if I know what their characters like what race they are, what you know, what what they do, what they well, yeah, can you, do. To give you, you an idea, that. I'm leaning towards a Dragonborn Sorcerer. Okay, so, I know that build. I just don't, I don't Which I, one? I don't want to create the world and throw them in. I want them I to the wild make thing. their characters and me to have a world they need to be suited to their it. suited to their abilities. Just because that's how it kind of is in the real world. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, just make sure you're not building in plot armor. You know that their their characters are such integral pieces of the world that there's no danger of them dying. Welcome to fourth edition. You can't die. Where yeah. everything's made you, up and the points don't matter. You right? can't die. Right. That's what I was saying about the war of attrition that we were talking about before. You, you can chip away at PCs all day long. It's hard to kill a PC. It's real hard. Try to in fourth edition. Most players. If there's three, are, I've killed that. characters in fourth edition. Yeah, but if there's a dedicated healer, okay. You're no, I've I've killed I've killed defender controller. Uh, what do they call the other one? The damage one, damage leader, one? leader. No, Def- striker, striker, defender controller, striker. No leader. Uh, 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 healer. I've I've killed him with an on par. No, <laughs> Sli- slightly above. Right. Yeah. Well, all that's right. What it takes. Well, Tyler, I hope we helped you out. Help uh, me immensely. Hope, hope you guys have fun with this. I am very excited. So are we going to leave on this that you guys are going to create your characters before I uh, do too much? More? I won't, but it's because it won't take me very long. Okay. I mean, I'll generate one, and uh, if you want me to make it again in front of you, I will. I think almost. <laughs> I Or I'll jot down notes for what I want it to be. I'm one of those guys who doesn't like to play something somebody else is playing. Plus, 4th Ed kind of has the WoW party you building have have system. Like the, yeah. You don't have to have all of them, but you have to have a pretty good spread. And uh, you have to have at least. I'll just one pick dude. what. So I'll just see what other people are playing. Usually, to pick you have else. to have like one dude doing a range attack and one dude doing a melee attack. At yeah, and then you probably need either a healer or a leader. Yeah, and then either, and then you would need either a controller or a defender. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this has been a pretty long one. Sorry. It's fine. With that, I'm going to call it. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. Brian. The Player's Edge. Tyler. <laughs> and I'm Nougat. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Change my. Who was I? Milk Dud? No, uh, Sticky. You can, you can be Milk Dud. Uh, it was you Sticky. Want. All right, still Sticky, like a glaze on a sea bass. And remember, support the hobby, support the industry, support the local game store, support Three Musketeers, like the candy bar. <laughs> it's got nougat. <laughs> Ted nougat. Ray Lewis. So <laughs> sorry. So, <laughs> Ray Lewis. <laughs> it's just also Ray Lewis. <laughs> Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis is just Clubber Lang. It's funny. He talks the exact same. That is pretty. Funny. He's got a fucking like ever <laughs> ever present like gigantic armor piece on his fucking arm that he wears. <laughs> I, I looked at him and I was like, "Is that guy a cyborg? Yeah. What is going on?" We were all like, "No, dude, that's yeah. Jax." Yeah, yeah. yeah, they were like, oh, one arm jacks. jacks. <laughs> no, I don't hate Randy Moss, but I pity the fool. I'll destroy any man that tries to take what is mine. <laughs> okay. What were you doing? The Carpe GM Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. For further discussion on this topic or just about anything else, join our forum at carpegm.net slash forum. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook slash carpegm.net or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore G-M. Thanks for listening.
The music for today's episode is The Saddest Clown by Transcend the Fallen. Contact information and links to more music by this melodic metal quintet from Nashville, Tennessee can be found in the show notes. Now, please enjoy this song in its entirety. Bye. 